welcome to Dear Sparrows, week four of the Unveiled Life series. So, past few weeks, I've been rolling through my new book, Unveiled, um, which came out on the 11th of this month, and just kind of taking this chapter by chapter um, as an overview. We're not digging into the nitty gritties because, of course, there's always the, the book is better than the movie, right? Well, this isn't a movie, but y'all catch my drift. Uh, but we're kind of going a little more in depth, going uh, a little bit overview of the chapters, just kind of giving you a taste of what you're going to find in that, but also sharing God's goodness in that. So of course, before I start every podcast, asking the Holy Spirit to just lead and guide and let him show up. So let's jump in. So chapter four, we're talking about uh, this or that core uniqueness. So in the past weeks, we've talked about kind of foundational from the start, you know, one plus one is two kind of thing. What is identity? And then we are moving into names because typically you're born and the first thing that you're going to receive is your name, right? Um, Might even be something that you received before you were born. So kind of looked into that. And then last week really went into kind of where, where are we going? What do we want to become? What's our vision? What's our hope? So this week we're looking a little bit more inwardly. We're looking at core uniqueness. So the chapter starts off with just a long questionnaire. And I don't know about you guys, but in books, typically when there's questionnaires or there's review questions, unless I'm really engaged in the book, I kind of just am like, yeah, skim, cool, yeah. But this book, actually, it was really, really inclined and meant to create a very vivid story and a vivid look at who am I, where am I going, what does God want for me, um, and, and just, you know, really looking inwardly. Um, I think I've shared a little bit that I, I really felt with this book that, you know, the Holy Spirit did write it and the Holy Spirit gave me a lot of direction. Um, it's actually writing, uh, for, I write for Crosswalk as well, Crosswalk Ministries, and I was writing a whole article on the Holy Spirit this morning and just so good to get reminded of who the Holy Spirit is and that, you know, it talks about in John 14 that the Holy Spirit is the counselor of truth. And the Holy Spirit is the helper of God himself to us, to speak to us. And just being vulnerable a little bit more, um, when I was writing this book, the the Holy Spirit put on my heart that this book would be a book that would really wreck people in a good way, wreck people into knowing that they need to seek God on who they're becoming and where they're going. So most of these questions... um, going forward in the book in chapter four are really designed to kind of knock that out of you to really get that, get you thinking about who you are and what you actually think of yourself. But we are not going to go too in depth on those today. Instead, what I really want to go over is the gifts of the spirit. So gifts of the spirit is mentioned a few times, but mainly in Romans 12. So Book of Romans, really, Book of Romans is like, dang, I mean, I don't know if you can really arguably say one book of the Bible is better than another, because every book has a meat and a truth and, you know, a wow's a thing. But the Book of Romans, there's just something about it that is just like every two seconds is a mic drop, and it's so good, and it's so spirit-filled, and so much truth, and you're just like, dang, so... That's, you know, completely true for Romans 12. So Romans 12 starts off, 
For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belonging to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy, in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then encourage. If it is to give, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So this is really encouraging you to go into look and in, look introspectively of what gifts do I have. This is not meant, nothing in the Bible is meant to just take at face value and be like, that's a nice sentiment. No, no, no. It's it's meant to go deeper. Lord, I want you to reveal to me more of your truth, more of what you put in myself. I know I am a unique creation in you. I am not like the others. What have you given to me? And another cool thing of it is this really comes into the part too where we're not comparing ourselves to others, which is so easy to do. And I think especially in this culture, competition is something that goes so rampant. Uh, From an early age, we're usually put into competition. We are looked to compare ourselves with others, whether it's in sports, whether it's in school. And when you get older, jobs and career and this person's married before I am and this person's having kids and this person's doing this and that and it becomes so easy to let comparison be the thief of joy but this is bringing us back and this is saying no that's their life that's their story but that's not yours and that's not to mean that your story is lesser just like a hand is not lesser than the eyes right? But they serve different function, but they're both vitally important to the body, both vitally important to the body of Christ. So this chapter really goes in depth talking about the different gifts of the spirit and just kind of dissecting them, looking at them. And I encourage you as you listen today really quick, and I'm just going to say a quick prayer for us, um, to really ask the Lord to highlight to your heart and to bring forth into attention what gifts you may possess that you don't realize, or what gifts the Lord wants to continuously work on with you. And that doesn't mean that you have to be 25, 26 years old to be highlighted to this. You can be 90 years old and still develop a new gift or have the Spirit reveal to you a gift that you will use. So Lord, I just pray for all those listening right now. I pray that you will bring to our attention what gifts you have placed within us. I pray that beyond these gifts, because we know that this is just scratching the surface of the gifts you have given us, and I pray that we would not be afraid, we would not resist the Holy Spirit in moving us forward into these gifts. I pray that you would help us be encouraged and be invigorated to move forward and use these as greatly as we can for the kingdom and for your glory forever and ever. Amen. All right. So the first one off the bat, we're going to hit it hard is prophecy. So prophecy is one that it's in the Western church. I don't want to say it's shunned, but I think people become afraid of it. And the big problem with the Western church is people are falling into legalism a lot. And in the Bible, the Pharisees, you know, we look at the Pharisees and we say, oh, they're evil. They're horrible. But actually in that day and age, The Pharisees were the religious leaders, and religion is the key word in that. So they were the people who, they knew the Bible, they knew the, rather, they knew the law backwards and forwards. They followed the law, and they showed off the law. 
But that did not mean that they were living in accordance with what was right and what was God. And they rejected Jesus himself in that process. And not that people are rejecting Jesus, but people get very afraid of things that they do not understand or things that are not comfortable and they do not know. But when we are fearful of things in our comfort zone, that is really going to breed um, an overwhelming fear of letting God and the Spirit move in many things. And prophecy is one of those. I was part of um, a small group and we went over Romans 12. And somebody literally remarked, well, prophecy, that's just something that doesn't happen anymore, right? And that made me really sad, really sad, because prophecy in itself, it talks about in uh, Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12, that prophecy literally edifies the church. And let's take that a little different. So because it edifies church, so there's things that we can be loving, kind, generous, all those things, and that is great. But though, but when God gives a word or God gives instruction, which is prophecy, and that comes to pass, that comes to be true, that proves to be right because it was given by the counselor of truth of the Holy Spirit and the helper, that edifies the church, improving the church, improving the Holy Spirit, improving that God is real and God is true, and the things he instructs are true. And people will get kind of caught up in, well... God doesn't really do miracles anymore that ended at the Bible. Well, that's not true. Um, Jesus himself in John 14 gives us the Holy Spirit because he's ascending up to heaven. So he gives us the Holy Spirit that indwells within us. We're told in 1 Corinthians 6 that the Holy Spirit indwells within us to work within us, right? So why would a God who for thousands of years did miracles and great things, parting the Red Sea, parting the Jordan, bringing people back to life, taking people up in chariots, all of those things, then suddenly decide, mm, I don't really feel like this anymore. I don't feel like doing miracles anymore. That's not God. We're told in Hebrews 13, 8, that God is the same today as he is tomorrow, as he was yesterday. He is the same forever. He is unchanging, right? And so it is easy. It's, it's, we're trying to expand. We're trying to open our eyes. We're trying to really comprehend this. But we must, if we believe all of these things, and even those who are maybe more legalistic or in box or I only believe what the Bible says, you can't believe what the Bible says and be closed-minded to the Holy Spirit working miracles and working in such a way. And that is something really stretching that we have to get over and allow the Holy Spirit to work and do his work. And blow our minds because that's, God loves to do that. God loves to show up and show his presence in that. And prophecy is one of those big ways. So 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from evil of every kind. So what that means is if you feel that the Lord has spoken to you, or you feel that the Lord has spoken to someone else, whether that is through a dream through some sort of vision, through just a thought that was not your thought. Wonderful. Hold it with open palms. And before you close your palms and you put it next to your heart, test it. Hold it gently in your palms and take it to the Word of God. Because the Word of God is never going to contradict the Spirit of God. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you a verse to confirm what was said. 
or ask the Holy Spirit to move in a way that we that you can test it out and know that it is correct. Um, a lot of times when I am really looking for a confirmation on something large, I ask, I do kind of, I play a Gideon and I ask for multiple signs. I ask for a direct communication from the Lord and I also ask that he would have some sort of um, outside source to confirm things to me, whether it be believe it or not, I kid you not, and God works in so many cool ways. Sometimes there'll be like vanity plates in front of me that will say something identical to what I was asking. Uh, for a very long time, I was very sick um, with a very rare kind of disease that it's a long story, but it spurred from a vaccine that really, um, I don't want to say destroyed, but it nearly killed me. Um, and it really screwed with a lot of my, um, GI. And for years and years and years, I just relied on the doctors in Virginia to fix me. And I got to the point where I was, I was so sick and it was, I was working at Apple at the time I graduated college and I had actually done most of my college online because I had been so sick. But in the process of this, I I was so sick, I could only eat when I was at home because I would get so sick after eating. And so I would work all day and basically all day fast just to eat when I got home because I knew I'd be sick and I needed to lay down. And I I hit this point where I realized um, this was not a good way to live. And every doctor in Virginia that I'd seen, that seen the best doctors you could in Virginia, they shrugged their shoulders at me. They literally said, I don't know. And I went into prayer because I felt that the Lord was leading me to go to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And the Mayo Clinic, for those of you who don't know, is the hospital of hospitals in America. It is where the worst, most um, severe cases or most hard-pressed cases typically will go for help in something. And for me, um, having every doctor in Virginia shrug their shoulders at me and not know how to fix me, I I was feeling close to that. And I went into a time of prayer and I asked the Lord to just give me, give me the green light. And if he gave me the green light, I would call them. I'd make the appointment. I was very scared to become a lab rat because people my age do not have things like that happen to them. But I was driving and there was a vanity plate in front of me with a verse reference, and the verse reference said, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Lord and it is your job to take care of that temple? And for me, that was the confirmation I needed to to make that appointment. And so I did, and they cured me. I will forever and ever and ever be indebted to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and to the Lord for that healing because he brought about the healing through the Mayo Clinic. I was in treatment for a very long time, but they were able to figure out what was wrong at the initial treatment and um, actually find out really that a lot of the treatments done in Virginia or um, attempts to treat rather really did not help me at all, but made things worse. But that's okay because the Lord still had his way. He had the plan, and I still just sit sometimes and... 
I am so thankful and I am so grateful for the work I did. So anyway, so I'm, I'm being verbose in this, but I want to share that. And the reason that this section is a little bit longer is because we really have to be careful to make sure that we're not getting anything false. Um, we're not getting anything of hype and that we're making sure we're thoroughly testing things. So that is one way that the Lord will speak to me, um, is through vanity plates. So what I wanted to share, um, just an example of where prophecy is true. And this was, this was a really cool experience I had. Um, I, I rarely share, um, really these intimate things that God would do unless I feel that the Lord is calling me to, or it is for the betterment and furthering of the kingdom of God, because I do feel that they are something that is something meant to be close and intimate to my own heart to know, um, ways that the Lord speaks to me. But when he does call me, to do it, then I am, I am ready to go. So, uh, this was a few years ago. It was, um, three in the morning and the Lord woke me up out of a dead sleep and I felt clear as day on my heart. The Lord said, um, I want you to pray for your friend because she is really having a hard time that she and her husband cannot have a child. And unfortunately I had not spoken to this friend in a few years. I was in their wedding and we were good friends, but they had moved away and it was just, not any falling out or anything. It's just time and life um, kind of got in the way. And so they were not at all in the forefront of my brain. I really had not talked to her in a long time. And I didn't really know what was going on in her inner life at the time. And and so I just held that. I interceded at three in the morning. Um, God waking me up at three in the morning to pray for people is nothing new. Um, but I just, I really interceded on her behalf. And I, I wasn't even going to tell her that that wasn't mine to tell. That wasn't mine to boast. That wasn't mine to say, Hey, I did this for you. But, um, I just prayed and I, I did what the Lord asked me to do. And then flash forward two days and on Twitter of all places, I follow her and she was tweeting that as happy as she is for her friends and her family members who were having kids, she was hurting because she and her husband were having such a hard time to have a child. And I had the beautiful opportunity at that point to contact her and let her know that the Holy Spirit had woken me up at 3 a.m., someone who hadn't talked to her in a very long time, to pray specifically for that. So she was seen, she was loved, and she was acknowledged by the Lord and used in such a way. And I think that's a beautiful way of prophecy that the Lord uses that edifies the church. There's no way I could have known that there's no way that I would have woken up and prayed for that at three in the morning, no less. And she was given that hope. I have far greater stories than that of things that the Lord has done in prophetic manner. But those are to be shared either when the Lord prompts me to or at the right timing. But that is one example of where prophecy is still such a beautiful occurrence. And I think I shared with you all last week as well about the dream I had um, where the Lord was showing me a future version of me and what a blessing that was and how humbling that was and just really holding all of that really carefully um and within the correct usage of of blessing the lord with that blessing the kingdom so moving on to our gift of teaching um so you don't have to be i, I said in here you don't have to know math english or a foreign language to teach a teacher is somebody who shares and instructs someone else with the knowledge that they have so in the same way as a teacher does teach children, we have the opportunity to bless and share with others and teach them things that we have learned, things that the Spirit has revealed to us, and pour into them with instruction. Now, of course, the Holy Spirit is the greatest teacher, 
But knowing that we are working with people and that they can come to us for mentoring or advice and we get to teach them these beautiful things. We can teach them things from scripture. We can teach them things from our own lives and experience that have occurred. And we get to pour into them with that. But the really key thing with that is patience. Um, The best teachers I've ever known have the patience of Job. (laughs) They have a patience that they are devoted to the study of God and that they have that wisdom and they're patient and learning more about God and more of what he wants to do in them. But they're also patient with the student. They're patient with knowing the student is coming into this knowledge um, as a newbie and that they are doing the best they can to come into that that truth. Next one's encouragement. Um, so this one really goes in with love languages a lot too. Encouraging, um, there's like encouraging words and stuff like that. Honestly, encouragement can even come as just a smile. Really loving on someone and being kind. So there's there's courage and kindness, right? But really making sure that you are an encouragement to somebody because there's people that can give truth and they can spell out truth, but they might not have that gift of encouragement that really lifts somebody up who is having a hard time. And encouragement is is just being a friend, is walking with somebody through their joys and through their sorrows. It is staying when things are hard and encouraging them even more when things become better and loving on them. Encouragement is love, and it's a way that we get to share Christ's love so vibrantly. And that, that is a wonderful gift to possess. It is something that not many people possess, and it's, it's a nurturing spirit. Next one is giving. Um, a lot of times people think, oh, the only way to give is money, but that's not true. There's giving time. There's giving an ear. There's just there's giving encouragement. There's different ways to give. And if you have been blessed with money, then that is a beautiful opportunity to share that with others. Um, I had a conversation with a friend of mine the other day about just salaries and stuff and thinking about how you almost wonder in a way. I mean, I'm a teacher, so y'all can expect my pay is pretty low. Um, but I don't even care. You know, as long as your necessities are covered, then you have this extra money that you can give. And it doesn't always have to be that you're giving all that money to the church. Maybe you can give it in a way that you're you're encouraging someone else. You buy them a sweet gift. I mean, that's a love language in itself. And give them something thoughtful and lovingly. You can pay for somebody's coffee when you go to sit and listen and be a friend. You can pay for their meal. You could do that, what's the drive through thing, where people pay for the person behind them. They pay for their meal. drive through difference, that's what it's called. And, and that's so beautiful. There's all these ways that you can you can bless people with money and, and ask the Father, is it all right for me to spend this money in such a way? Because I want to further the kingdom. I want to bless the kingdom. And knowing that everything we have is His ultimately. And that doesn't mean living in a destitute way and saying, well, I can, only, I can live off 10 grand a year. Let me give anything excess away. But it's living in a way that you're being a good steward of money. And when he prompts you to give, you give so that your left hand doesn't know what your right hand's doing. And you're not doing it begrudgingly. You're doing it in love. And you're doing it in a way to honestly bless, bless the person and bless God. So that's that's a cool thing of giving. And it's something that if you are blessed, even, you know, you think about the widow who gave everything she had. She gave that last coin and she... In doing that, she was giving all she had to the Lord. And what a beautiful thing of that. So you don't have to be rich to be 
blessed with the gift of giving. And then leadership. Are you a leader? Have you been called to lead a small group or a team or a church? Are you called to work with the youth and be a leader in that? Um, Leaders are people that the Lord is calling them up, and you might not even think you're a leader. That might not even be something that you've ever planned or thought about, and the Lord asks you to do that. That's a beautiful gift in itself to be asked to do something. So discerning through prayer what your gifts are and using them and not wasting them. So there's the story of the talents that um, are given out. And one person gets one talent, one gets five, one gets ten. And the guy with the one talent, he goes and he buries it. He just, he hides it. He's like, I'm just going to put it under the dirt. And the second guy, he goes and he invests it. And he comes back. The guy who had five then creates ten. And then the guy with 10 invests his, and he comes back with 20. And the person who gave out all the money comes, and he's like, all right, let me see what you did with the talents. And the guy with one, he was like, well, I, I put it under the ground. I didn't even use it. And so he doesn't have anything to show for it. The guy with five then had 10. The guy with 10 then had 20. And so in the same way, if you have been given one or more of these gifts, using them properly and really putting them in a way that you're investing them in the kingdom of God and seeing that fruit, even though that fruit you might not ever see on this side of earth, I mean, this side of the veil, or that might take time for it to grow. The Lord sees that and he knows I was able to trust you with little so I can trust you with much. And there's such a beauty in that. So really praying that whatever talents, guys, look at even the word of that. I mean, there's not... Gosh, the humor of God, but the literal word talents and investing them to bless the kingdom. So the last part in this uh, chapter is introverts versus extroverts, which I won't go into today as much, but it was fun to write and you're welcome to go into it. I think I'll have it later in the introvert versus extrovert podcast in itself because homegirl is an introvert in the highest. Um, I think I, I do the Myers-Briggs like every couple months to like just kind of see where I am. And I think my most recent one was like 79%, which was actually, that was like surprising because in the past it's been like 91. Um, But I did get to interview an extrovert, which was very fun. And um, he was such a good sport about it and gave me some good uh, feedback on understanding extroverts. And it's fun to just understand yourself a little bit more. So we'll have a podcast later on about Um, The different ways that the kingdom can use introverts and extroverts, both are created by God and both can have really massive impact and beauty and what they can do. So thank you for listening. Um, Again, check out the book. It's called Unveiled. It's available on Amazon right now by Callie Logan. Uh, Please feel free to comment. um, Hit us up on at Callie Logan for Instagram for feedback and such, things that you want to hear more of or continue to go through the book. We are on chapter four of eight, uh, or of nine, sorry, um, this week. So yeah, continue on the ride. And um, if you feel so inclined, check it out. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the gifts and the talents that you have given us. Lord, help us to use them to the highest of our ability to bless you ultimately, Father. We thank you, Father, for all that you are to us. We thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to be our helper. Help strengthen us. Please help us to have open minds and open hearts to the work that you are doing. 
And I pray that those who have been faithful with little can be trusted with much. In your name we pray. Amen.